Welcome into another edition of New Track Record. Caleb Hatch and Justin Kinney with you and plenty to discuss this week regarding the NTT IndyCar Series offseason. We have driver announcements in IndyCar and Indy Lights. We have more on a third OEM rumor. And uh, we have more on a driver rumor for the future that uh, stunned me. So we'll we'll get to all that this week. But first off, Justin, hello. Hi there. How, How are, are you? you? I am doing well. How are you? Oh, we're just living the dream here on the eve of the holiday season. Have you uh, had to uh, endure any Christmas music at your house or you know Christmas decorations, anything like that yet? Uh, n- no, thankfully okay. not. My wife was uh, beside herself earlier this week seeing that the neighbor had put up their Christmas tree, uh, considering my wife is usually the first one within a 25-mile radius to do so. <laughs> so we're doing that this weekend, but she was beaten to the punch by the neighbors. Well, when you do a real tree, you kind of got to wait that longer is true. until yeah. Thanksgiving, either right before, right after. So... We'll wait until about right after. Yeah, you can't really get those too early. So, and it's a fun thing to go pick out. Not that we're going anywhere special to do that. Lowe's, <laughs> not a paid sponsor. <laughs> not yet. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. All right, back with uh, IndyCar talk because you know I'm not ready for Christmas talk just yet. I no? mean, it's not even Thanksgiving. I mean, we got a couple weeks to Thanksgiving. Very true. Well, the, the Christmas mu- music is not taken over yet, and I'm okay with that. But for those who participate, you know, calendar flips November 1st. You know, I used to be one of those people who would scold everyone, but now I'm just, you know what, do what makes you happy. Yeah, it's you fine. do you. We, we have so far, knock on wood, survived a global pandemic. So, you know, you have the right to listen or not listen to Christmas music on November 1st. Yeah, you can do whatever you desire. And you know uh, who did what they desired? Who? AJ Foyt Enterprises. They did. They hired Kyle Kirkwood to drive hey. their number 14 Chevrolet entry for 2022. One-year deal, as we understand it. And as Marshall Pruitt uh, mentioned in the mailbag, Rocket expected to be back as well for that entry. Obviously, the off-season uh, story on whether Kirkwood would get a full-time ride we have that answered, and I think it's just a huge relief for fans, for the paddock, obviously for Kirkwood himself, that we can move forward and not have to worry about that any longer. Well, obviously you would hope that he was in a more competitive ride, but beggars can't be choosers. Kyle Kirkwood's going to be a full-time driver in this series for 2022. It's where he belongs and where he should have been months ago in my opinion locked up for 2022 but um now it's you know how does aj foyt enterprises maximize this opportunity for kyle kirkwood yes it's only a one-year deal but you could really get some momentum over the course of a season with a driver that's you know one of the best in a generation and the junior formulas so could we see a run in the top I mean, if he finished anywhere in the top 12, it would be phenomenal for A.J. Foyt. Yes. You know what I mean? So, you know, if he can get mix in some top 10s and, and show some some real moxie and, and put this car up in toward the pointy end of, of the uh, the points and the standings, it would be tremendous. You, you just hope 
he's able to, uh, you know, maximize the opportunity. And, and, you know, I feel like this is more, it's better for A.J. Foyt Enterprises than it is Kyle Kirkwood. I think it's a greater opportunity for A.J. Foyt Enterprises. Because I think if Kyle Kirkwood struggles, he's going to land somewhere else and just saying that's the struggles of of being with that team, I feel. But if he excels, it makes everyone look good. Yeah, I mean, the, Actually, it's does. Like, like he gets, like you, you kind of put it, he almost gets a free pass. I mean, yeah, Kinda. he's got to be competent, but he's a rookie, so you, you have that. He's with one of the teams that's traditionally been lower on the grid as far as points goes. So any success he has is looked at, I mean, not a race win, obviously, but it, you know, it's like getting a podium. The most definitely. And, you know, let's look ahead. So if A.J. Foyt Racing can do a pretty good job with Kyle Kirkwood and he moves on after his one-year deal and lands at a bigger team, but does that then allow A.J. Foyt Enterprises to go out and maybe get a higher caliber driver based on what they did in 2022 with Kirkwood behind him? So, Kind of uh, becoming what Dale Coyne Racing has been for several years since getting Ferrucci and then Palo. Yeah, it's just a more desirable place to take your money. And that's really the next step for AJ Foyne Enterprises. They just they need to shake off the stigma that is you go there for your career to die. And whether it's Sebastian Bourdais or Jack Hawksworth or Matthias Laced or whoever else, um, it has had the, you know, kind of the 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 moniker of being that place where careers die. Yeah, and we'll we'll get to more on a look at the past runs of drivers for Foyt. This will go back to Takuma Sato's last win for the team back in 2013 at Long Beach. That in a bit. So, you know, you mentioned if Kirkwood is successful, you know, he can go anywhere and, you know, from the the presser they had the other day, Again, we mentioned it's a one-year deal, Nathan Brown, with with these notes. Kyle uh, doesn't have a contract with Andretti, including potentially the first rights to negotiate a deal for 23, as some had wondered. That is another key thing of interest. Hmm. I mean, this actually gives Foyt a chance to try to keep him if if they can make that work out. Yeah, and it's not like, um, you know, the big, the big problem with Kirkwood is he doesn't bring that big of a budget. So, look, if he finishes 22 and there's still no big takers out there for him can always come back and then also these also from nathan brown a question from jenna fryer uh kirkwood says it took roughly 10 days from initial contact to put together a deal with aj foyt racing and andretti actually released kirkwood from his option a little early likely to help facilitate this and larry fort foyt saying when i found out he was available it was a no-brainer for us uh, adds he was surprised Kyle didn't already have a ride when he became available to negotiate with that he needed to be full time. How about that? I, I mean, it's crazy that <laughs> they were the first takers after that, you know, period ended and it was reported November 1st, but it sounds like Andretti may have ended that slightly early just to help help out, or maybe it wasn't necessarily that November 1st date, it was a few days past that right and they moved it up to that date either way i mean all all these teams had an opportunity and you know we had heard you know maybe ed carpenter racing that seemed not very likely air mclaren sp but it wouldn't have been full time of course neither would the ed carpenter racing seat but this was the the full-time ride that was available and they snapped them up very quickly good for aj foyd enterprises found the money rockets in 
Kyle Kirkwood's in. Let's see if we can uh, make something special happen in 2022. So some of the things against him, um, Marshall Pruitt uh, reported this story first before it was announced, but mentioning in that early report, uh, along with Bourdais' departure, Justin Taylor, the number 14's talented race engineer, left the program after the season finale to accept a new factory sports car post in the FIA World Endurance Championship. So yet again, you lose an engineer. I mean, this is this. These smaller teams, though, that's going to happen. I mean, it seems to happen to coin every year, right? Yeah, like <laughs> clockwork, yeah. And then Nathan Brown of the Indianapolis Star in one of his write-ups talking about, you know, there are conflicting things on what to expect for the driver lineup. Obviously, you know, Kirkwood in the 14. We expect Dalton Kellett to be in the four. But after that, that's the question mark. But uh, Brown says, barring last-minute push, from prospective major sponsor Rocket, the full-time backer of Smash Bourdais number 14 Chevy a year ago. And then Foyt said is tracking to back Kirkwood in 2022. In fact, Marshall Pruitt said that in the race, racer mailbag as well this week that Rocket will likely be the sponsor. On a third full-time car, AJ Foyt Racing should be set at two cars for next season. Meanwhile, David Malsher Lopez, Motorsport.com, uh, saying there remains speculation over whether the team can stretch to three full-time entries. Uh, they're eager for the number 14's previous occupant, Sebastian Bourdais, to drive for the team whenever his IMSA Ganassi Cadillac commitments allow. There are seven IndyCar IMSA scheduled clashes in 2022, but two of those are at the same venue, so Bourdais could feasibly pull double duty in Long Beach and Detroit. And another name we've heard a lot about, Justin, regarding sharing that third car, Motorsport.com, believes that Rocket-backed Tatiana Calderon, who has tested uh, for the team at Mid-Ohio last year, is unlikely to stay in Super Formula next year. And uh, Tony Donahoe, a uh, former uh, radio personality in Indianapolis, very connected on the IndyCar scene, re- um, reporting a rumor that Jack Aitken will get a test with Foyts and could be uh, in that third full-time car. So a lot of things out there on if, when, what. <laughs> who? I, I don't know. Yeah, who... For that third car. It sounds like Rocket's very high on Calderon, and I feel like, look, if you're spending as much money as Rocket seems to be spending with that team, you're probably going to have a say in who's in your seat. And so I wouldn't be surprised if that's a split seat. Maybe it's a full-time entry, but it's a split seat with two, maybe even three different drivers over the course of the season. So I expect to see both Calderon and Aiken in the seat at some point, and potentially more. You mean Bourdais or Aiken or... I'm saying Aiken, Aiken okay. and Calderon, I, I would and think then Bourdais, somebody else. I think Bourdais, it depends on his IMSA contract, you know, with Ganassi. Right. Because I don't know how welcoming they would be for that. I mean, he's a full-time driver in sports cars, and right. that's got to be his focus. Yeah, most definitely. So I just think it's going to be whatever comes up, and if we get towards the you know second half of the season and, you know, Foyt wants to use that car to try out some potential – drivers so for 2023 uh i think it could be that but I, I just i don't picture one driver in that seat all season long no i think that's the thing that's clear if there is a third car whether it's a partial or full-time season i think it's obvious that like you said it will not be one driver it will be two to three drivers in that seat and the other thing that i thought was awesome on this announcement i don't know if you saw the the press release announcement on how they uh, set up the lead for this story. No, I didn't see it. So, uh, Waller, Texas is the dateline. 
There is a buzz around the number 14 Chevrolet fielded by A.J. Foyt, and it is not Killer Bees. <laughs> A.J. Foyt Racing has hired 2021 Indy Lights champion Kyle Kirkwood to drive the number 14 Chevrolet in the NTT IndyCar Series next year. I thought that was very nice, great stuff there by the Foyt team and making that announcement. So very cool indeed for this announcement. I think everyone was nervous, like we said, that this deal would not get done for Kirkwood. It has. And with that, Justin, we got to take a look at the numbers. And this is where you hope for the best, but, but expect the worst. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of what I do with AJ Foyt Enterprises. If you have very low expectations, any amount of success catches you off guard. So obviously we mentioned that Takuma Sato, who ran full-time with the team for four seasons, 2013 through 2016, Last win for the team, Long Beach, in 2013. He actually followed that up with a second place at Sao Paulo on the street circuit and the next race after that win in the 13th season. But just one top 10 on the year that was at Milwaukee after that. Finished 17th in points, all right? Mm-hmm. So that's the full-time car. They were only running one full-time car in 13 and, and 14. In 14, um, he had a fifth at Toronto back when that was a doubleheader in, in race two, a fourth at Sonoma, a sixth at Fontana to end the season. Finished 18th in points. Ooh. 2015, they have uh, Jack Hawksworth added on. Yeah. And, well, <laughs> we'll look at how they did in, in both those entries because the, this is when they went from one car to two cars and then added the third for the 500 right. with Tagliani. So, Sato, in 2015, had a second at Detroit 2, a sixth at Pocono, an eighth at Sonoma. Those were his best finishes, 14th in points. All right, so midfield. Hawksworth in the 41, an eighth at St. Pete, seventh place finishes at at both Detroit races, an eighth at Mid-Ohio. He finished 17th in points. Then in 2016, Sato's last year full-time with the team. He put together a couple of top fives, Long Beach and Toronto. Also had a sixth at St. Pete, 17th in points. Hawksworth, 20th in points. And that year he had zero top tens. 11th at St. Pete, 11th at Road America were his best finishes. So, I I mean, that's when they transitioned to that two-car lineup. Then we saw wholesale changes in 2017. Sato left to Andretti, won the Indy 500. Hawksworth was out of IndyCar after that. And I guess I didn't even realize he had three full seasons in IndyCar because he ran with Herta his rookie year, right, with Brian Herta Autosport, and then had two with Foyt. For some reason, I was thinking he only had one year with Foyt, and then he was out. Right. Um, there's a lot to dissect here if you want to, but basically, you know, A.J. Foyt Enterprises has been trash for the better part of a decade. You have to go back to... Let's see. They haven't had somebody higher than 14th in points, a full-time driver. Then uh, I got to go back. 2010 with Vitor Mira was 12th. Yeah. And for anybody to finish in in the top 10 in points, oh, goodness. We're going back to 2002 with Ayrton Daire. Wow. <laughs> That's not good. And then you, you continue. So Sato obviously has had success. He went on. He's won two Indy 500s, handful of races between Andretti and uh, Ray Hall, where he just wrapped up his 
his career at Ray Hall. Now we could still expect to see him back in IndyCar this year at Coin, most likely. But Sato's gone on to have a full-time ride and every year since then. Now in 2017, this is where things get different. So they bring in Connor Daly. He's full-time. He finishes 18th in points. He gets a 7th at Texas, a 5th at Gateway, 10th at Mid-Ohio, 10th at Sonoma. Carlos Munoz leaves Andretti, comes to A.J. Foyt, 16th in points, handful of top 10s. His best finish was a ninth at Gateway. The cars have been good at Gateway over the years yeah. for whatever reason. But daily, while he has competed in all the races, he has not had a full-time ride with a singular team since then. Jack Hawksworth, we mentioned, out of IndyCar. He's been doing after, sports cars and hasn't yeah. been half bad in yeah, five, six years in sports cars. Ran with Vassar Sullivan, I think, for a couple of years, run really well with them, won some races. Uh, Munoz was out of IndyCar after 2017 as far as a full-time deal. Then in 18, there's the new... Uh, Universal Aero Kit for for 18. They bring in a rookie, Mateus Laced. Zero top 10s. He had an 11th at Pocono. They bring in Tony Kanaan. He had a handful of top 10s, best finish of 6th. Laced, 18th. Kanaan, 16th. They bring back Laced and Kanaan a second year, 19. Laced, 19th, so he actually fell back a spot. Kanaan, 15th. He moves up a spot. Laced had the 4th at the uh, Indy GP, an 8th at Portland. Kanaan on the year had... um, Kind of mixed results. He had a top 10, the Indy 500, ninth, third at Gateway for a podium, which that is the most recent podium they've had in 2019 at Gateway. That was by Tony Kanaan. And ironically, that race won by Takuma Sato. <laughs> hmm, how about that? You know, one thing we can take out of all these numbers and names that we're throwing out there is none of them have had the resume that Kyle Kirkwood has in junior formulas. Dalton Kellett, in, in terms of rookies we're talking about, even Carlos Munoz, Dart, Dalton Kellett, Mateus Laced, Connor Daly, Jack Hawksworth, none of these guys. With the exception of Tony Kanaan. Yes. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm not throwing Kanaan in there. Okay. Uh, but none of these guys, at least at the lower levels of the road to Indy, had anything close to the performance that Kyle Kirkwood has. I mean, it's Dalton true. Kellett's never even won a championship. Hawksworth was good in the road to Indy. Didn't he finish, like, second or third in Indy yeah. Lights? Uh, yeah, he was fine, but, I mean, I'll have to look. I think he won Star Mazda well, back then when it was Star Mazda, but I think he finished third or fourth in Indy Lights. Um, you know, Mateus Lace didn't win um, in the road to Indy. Um, I think he was, like, fourth or fifth in Indy Lights before he bumped up. So, you know... I, I think Kyle Kirkwood, in my opinion, it is a noticeable step up than, I don't know, 75% of the drivers that have been in seats in IndyCar with this team over the last 15 years. Yeah, I mean, when you look at his resume that he brings to the table as a rookie, I mean, this I mean, is the best you can ask for. Mateus Lacey, he, he did finish fourth in points uh, in Indy Lights with Carlin. So, won some races, but... I mean, fourth in points when I think he won like three or four races. I mean, look at the full-time drivers over the years for Foyt and tell me who you're taking over Kyle Kirkwood. Without without Kyle Kirkwood turning a single wheel in a race, I'm taking Bourdais over him. Yep. Kanan. I'm taking Kanan over him. Um, Maybe. Taku? 
Oh, yeah. Taku for yeah, sure. I'm not taking Charlie Kimball. I was going to say, Kimball is a toss-up at best. Um, Munoz, toss-up. Yeah. I mean, Daly, no, in my opinion. Sorry, Daly fans. Um, Tagliani, no. no, because he was at the tail end of his career then. Yeah. I mean, no. I, I mean, I, I, this is the best... I mean, he's already you, he's already a podium contender in terms of best Foyt drivers of the past ten years, and he hasn't even turned a single lap in a regular season race. That's a good point. I mean, you have, <laughs> I mean, you have Sato, you have Bourdais, you have Canon, and you have Kirkwood. Yeah, I mean, Kirkwood's knocking on the door with those three, and uh, you know that's. A, a variety of factors, but you know, Foy, AJ Foyt fi- finally has a driver, a good young driver with the pedigree that they can, if successful, point to and say, "Look what we can do." And um, and for good measure, just wrapping up the the point standings in twenty twenty, you had Kimball full time; he was eighteenth, best finish of eighth, the season finale at St. Pete. You had Tony Canon, who shared. Um, the ovals with or, or did ovals and then Dalton Kellett and then you had Bourdais step in so you don't really have like a full time entry there and then last year 16th for Bourdais he had a couple of top fives 5th at Barber 5th at Gateway but 16th and then after that Kellett was full time but he was 23rd best finish of 12th at Gateway so I mean all these years you look back Tony Kanaan in 2019, a 15th place finish, which included the only podium result for the team going back to Sato's race winning year when he got a second at Detroit 2. Or excuse me, no, that was 2015, second at Detroit 2. So, I mean, that's their high bar success level, and Sato in 15 was 14th. So, a 14th and 15th, and the team didn't want to race either of those seasons. That's the high bar. Wild. And, the, and that was back third of the field back then because you're you don't have the 25 26 entries back then that you have now right yeah so you know 15th and points didn't seem so bad back then right you know comparatively well yes it was worse it was worse (laughs) yeah that's what i meant so you have 22 to 24 back yeah so you know wrapping this you know looking at this is okay foyt has struggled to be can you know be competitive in this series for a long time, but they absolutely—they've—it's not like they're putting out murderers row either in terms of a driver lineup. So, Kyle Kirkwood over the last fifteen years, you could say, is probably the fourth or fifth best driver this team has had in that span, and he hasn't even raced in a single race yet. It's true, and you know, you look at. Drivers that have actually left Foyt and done something. I mean, obviously Sato's been very successful. Connor Daly has at least gotten some rides since then. And while he hasn't necessarily been full-time as far as with a singular team, he's competed in all the races for a couple of years. And that's about it as far as drivers, you know, moving on and, and doing something outside of a, a couple of races. Right. You know, with this team. I mean, Kimball went from running full-time in 2020 to last year. He did the IMS road course race, failed to qualify for the Indy 500, and did Long Beach. That was it. Yeah. That was all. And Bourdais, I mean, who who knows? We mentioned, you know, who knows what availability he has to do any 
IndyCar races next season. Absolutely. So, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Same wow. time. Yeah. Uh, overall, like you said, I mean, this is the best case scenario for Foyt. I think my expectation for him is, you know, on the, the top end of those points, finishes. Uh, I mean, simply because of his talent level. And I'm not saying, you know, like we said, you know, top 12 would be a home run. Right. I think realistically 15th or 16th would be very respectable. I would agree. I mean, if he can come, if he can do what I think he's capable of doing, 15th or 16th, and maybe some, a couple top 10s, I mean, that's that's tremendous. And I think, I mean, that's our only expectation. Of course, we, you know, I, I look at another rookie from this past season, Jimmy Johnson, and I think we may have oversold what we thought he could do by the end of the year. At least I feel that way. I thought... He could maybe sneak a top 10, but like a top 12 was possible, and that was not the case. Yeah. Goes without saying. But he improved a lot. And I think with this, I mean, he's already had three IndyCar tests because he did Sebring Barber and then IMS road course test. They mentioned that they're going to prioritize oval testing. Larry Foyt said they're making a real emphasis on their damper program, which is how – the top teams excel on road and street courses. I mean, that is the number one thing is the, the shock and damper program. Right. And, you know, that's how they're going to advance, you know, and kind of move up the grid. But losing that engineer, that's a key loss. We'll see how they, they hire for that. I think sometimes the, the engineering moves are just as important and just as fascinating as the driver moves for a lot of these teams in the offseason. Yeah, absolutely. It's always something that kind of gets overlooked, but also once we get into the season, you can see just how much of an impact it makes, most definitely. All right, so what's your uh, what's your prediction on his, his full season points finish? I am saying uh, uh, I'm, I'm a glutton for punishment. I, I'm still expecting the best out of this kid, just, and, and A.J. Foyt Enterprises for that matter. I'm going 16th and three top 10s. I'm going to go – I'm going to be the optimist. I'm going to go 15th. I'm going to say, man, I don't actually believe four top tens. I don't want to pick your number just because <laughs> – I thought three was high. Yeah. I'm going to go with two top tens. But okay. I think it'll be consistently midfield. I think that's – I hope so. That's I mean, you know, you finish in that, you know, 10th through 15th, 16th range when you're looking at a full-time grid of most likely 26. I mean, that's – it seems attainable. Yeah. I would agree. I, I'm hoping for the best for him and, and that team. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's the other thing, right? I mean, everyone's like, oh, everyone's so negative about Foyt. And it's like, well, we're negative because we keep hearing the same story every offseason. And I think this is the first time since they they hired Kanan back in 18 that I feel like, okay, it could really happen. They yeah. Could, I they mean, could really become a better team and they made the investments and – you know, added the the driver lineup. Yeah, I mean, look at it from from the hiring Kanan. You, you felt good about that, but since then, Charlie Kimball, great guy. We've had him on the podcast before, but just not a, a consistent race winning contending guy. I mean, and he wasn't somebody you could build around either. I mean, he's just kind of uh, uh, he brings sponsorship. You know, he's, he's solid. He's solid. He's professional. He's just a good. But in terms of building a team, you're not building a team around Charlie Kimball. Uh, you get Sebastian Bourdais, which I think we can all agree was is towards the end of his career. Uh, you get Dalton Kellett, who's 
brings money, but has not shown that he can be a consistent contender either. So you add Kyle Kirkwood, all of a sudden there's some optimism in terms of that driver. You've landed, and we'll see where it goes. And hopefully, it, you know, it goes well, and maybe Foyt has something more than just a one-year kind of rental of Kirkwood and can turn it into something long-term. The Foyt resurgence is coming. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, that, yeah. that would be quite something. Anything's possible. The other uh, kind of team-related thing that was interesting this week, not necessarily a confirmation, but there's a picture that was circulating on Twitter of a Carlin transporter at the Hunkos Racing Shop. Oh. Well, sorry, Hunkos Hollinger Racing Shop in downtown Speedway, you know, literally blocks from IMS. Yeah. And then you go inside, and Matteo Nanini, who tested for Hunkos Hollinger and Indy Lights, Posted a photo of an Indy car uh, in the shop, you know, the all black carbon fiber, no sponsor logos or anything on it. And a lot of people saying, uh, in fact, Nathan Brown saying, uh, unless that's Ilot's car stripped down, this could be part of the expected haul from Carlin. I've referenced over the last week, and that's talking about that potential merger. And we still don't really have. Any answers on that? Because neither team is talking on neither the Neither team is talking, but there's a lot of smoke here. Yes. And we're seeing evidence on social media and what people are saying and not saying that it sounds like we're trending in that direction. Well, and with Carlin already selling off their lights gear and, you know, their, their lights team is done, the, as far as we know it, I mean, like you said, there's more smoke and this is just more smoke to the fire. Absolutely. So I feel it's um it it's going to come to fruition at some point or another, and officially. And you think Carlin will merge with Hunka? Yes. Right? Yeah. Or I, you know, they're you know they'll spin it as yes we're still two separate organizations but we're working together and trading this that and the other like they could spin it like that potentially maybe not a complete merger or you know takeover um, but th- they're going to be working together. For 2022. I mean, it, it makes sense on, on the simple fact that they both are Chevrolet teams and they're both one car teams. Why would you not want to share more data and try to help each other move up the grid? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just it seems like a no brainer. Most definitely. And, and it, it makes sense for Carlin. They need a partnership. Makes for, for makes sense for Hunko's Hollinger. Tough to jump into the deep end of IndyCar right off the bat. So it's a win win. All right. Well, we'll we'll see how that plays out. I don't think we'll get an answer on that until what early December, as far as the earliest that we'd have a clue here. Yeah, I I would think uh, either between Thanksgiving and and Christmas or waiting till early in the new year. I mean, as of right now, last we heard, they're still waiting on an answer from Chilton as far as what his plans are for 2022. <laughs> but I'm sure they have set a deadline of some sort for him. Like, look, yes. we need to know by X. Date. I would think December 1st would kind of be the latest they yeah. could go on that, personally. Most definitely. And, and I think, to be honest, Max Chilton is probably exhausting his options elsewhere in the paddock before he decides to go back to Carlin, if he does. Yeah, I mean, why not see what else is oh, out yeah. there and I don't see what I don't other think there's anybody to take him, but, you know, he brings some money and, you know, who knows? He's trying to get a, a more competitive ride than he's in, which right now, all due respect, that Carlin seat is probably the least competitive drive in all of IndyCar, full-time-wise. Full-time, yeah. I mean, Hunko's Hollinger, we just got a sample, but they, they seemed 
maybe not on pace, but as far as the outfit and what they're putting out on such short notice with a, I, I, what, a last second assembled crew right? for those trio of races to end the year. I mean, it didn't seem like there was anything that was so last minute thrown together. I mean, it wasn't like Top Gun throwing it together. And, and even Top Gun looked proficient on, yeah. on their entries. Didn't look incompetent. That's the goal. That is always the goal. All right. More on a third OEM. One of our favorite topics, Justin. It is. And the the latest Adam Stern of Sports Business Journal. Toyota exec confirms IndyCar talks about becoming third manufacturer. You want to know the uh, the actual uh, I did read verbiage. the quote. and Well, there's a whole paragraph right. that he posted. Go ahead. Go into the <laughs> weeds here. So Toyota Racing Development exec engineer and technical director Andy Graves has hinted there have been some sort of talks. Um, simply put, uh, Graves did say the company's having talks with other pr- prospective series, told SBJ, we always keep our fingers on the pulse of all motorsports, garages, and activity in North America. Obviously, having Roger Penske take over IndyCar was great. You're going to see huge growth. Of course, we have those discussions in other garages because we have a lot of friends in all forms of racing. Right now, our focus is on NASCAR, GTD, SRO, NHRA, Formula Drift, USAC, Word of Outlaws, and off-road racing. So we've got a lot on our plate right now and are excited for all those forms we represent. IndyCar declined to comment on possible talks with Toyota. I didn't realize they were involved in all of those things. Yeah, I know. I I know you're a big fan of Formula Drift. I know you're always trying to bring a Formula Drift segment to the podcast every week and every let's, week. I let's shoot talk it down. Uh, GTD and SRO. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, you know, speaking of uh, random uh, race series, um, SRX. I saw the video game. Yeah, at the uh, at, I think it was at Walmart one day. My son was getting a game, and it was in there. And like it was recently, it was like forty bucks. Like it wasn't like crazy pricey, but it wasn't like cheap. Like it actually exists. Um, I don't know how good a game it is, but uh, it's out there. But it was uh, look. We love reading into quotes like this. I think what we can take out is this: is yes, they've talked to IndyCar, and no, they're not ready to announce anything. Um, I think the positive is. They haven't said they're not talking to IndyCar. They did not say that they were talking to IndyCar, but not now. So I, I almost feel like no no news is good news. I, I, to me, yes. this is no news, but that's and, good and news. And it's not a denial and saying, we had talks with IndyCar, but we're yeah. not going to move forward. I mean, because remember a couple of years ago, Porsche, it was like, oh, this could be announced at Long Beach. And then the news comes out at Long Beach. Oh, we had talks with Porsche, but they, they will yeah. not be coming over. This is just corporate speak. You know, if anything, if you want to read into anything, something you can say where they said, you know, right now we are focused on and name the series, which would tell you that there's still a chance. It's bound to change in the future. But as of right now, this is all I'm focused on. It's almost like um, it's almost like you've you've signed up for classes for your second semester and you're already starting to, you know, kind of think about it. But then you're like, OK, right now I need to focus on lit and world history. I'm going to fo- I'm going to worry about chemistry later. I know I have it coming up, but right now I'm going to focus on what's the task at hand. So there's it's, your next level breakdown of that quote, because I'm sure people will want that. It's like a college football coach, American college football to our listeners outside <laughs> of the United States. Uh, it's like a college football coach saying, 
you know, right now my focus is fully on yeah. insert X team name that we're playing next week. Well, you know, I have no comment on any rumors about uh, coaching searches or I, I'm happy here at insert X name university. Yeah. So um, I, I think all, all things considered, it was a positive quote for IndyCar's <laughs> chances with Toyota. It wasn't a no. Yeah, and, and we've and heard a lot of well, those. Might as well be a yes yeah, at this point. absolutely. All right, let's get into some driver news and rumors. Of course, we have Kyle uh, – wow, I almost said Kyle Kirkwood. Yes, Kyle Kirkwood. No, Kyle Larson. Hey. Jenna Fryer uh, reporting Kyle Larson on the Indy 500. Larson says, I'm open to anything logistically. It's just a tough thing to do. I want to go there and know I've got a chance to win. Says he doesn't know if Rick Hendrick would allow him. Says he's kind of tired of being asked about it all year. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, and, and look, I don't, I don't want Kyle Larson to do it just because he just wants to shut people up from asking him. I, I want him to genuinely want to do it. Yes. And to me, Kyle Larson isn't going to make or break me watching the Indianapolis 500 or being more or less interested in it. I mean, it'd be a good ad. It'd be great for for ratings and and bring even more interest over from NASCAR over to IndyCar, but. I feel like he does it at some point, but is now the right time just because he won a title? I don't know. Well, we thought Kyle Busch would do it once he won a title, and we're still waiting on that. But could that be Toyota that's holding it up? Right. Yeah. And, you know, so I'm not sure. I mean, he races for Chevy, which helps, I feel. But, um, you know, that also would probably mean you need a Chevy team that would be interested in running him. To be fair, when Kurt Busch crossed over... He was with a Honda team with Andretti. True. And able to work that out. True. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I just uh, I don't feel like it's a burning desire for Kyle Larson right now to do the Indianapolis 500. Who gets a third OEM first? NASCAR with Dodge or IndyCar with Toyota? Who's announced first? Oh, I mean, there's, a, there's some talk about Dodge, and they were in it, and then they left. I would go with Dodge. In. Yeah, I personally. would go Dodge. All right. Taking a look at some uh, driver rumors, these courtesy of IndyCar Deep Throat. Um, per a source, daily out to Ed Carpenter Racing. I think the more this has gone on without confirmation, yeah. I think the more that does seem likely. And you would think Ryan hunter A would be the logical person to, to fill in on, on that seat. I mean, looking at who's available unless something drastically changes with you know someone who brings a, a big check like Malukas I think right. he seems to be locked in at coin that's what would, we expect would they run RHR full time or would I they I think it would still be the the 20 yeah and, unless the he can put together a big sponsor out of nowhere yeah potentially and then uh, some other things does he run the 500 then for Ed Carpenter Racing? Yes. Okay. I mean the, the same setup that Daily has in gotcha. the Air Force I mean who knows they could stay and they just want Ryan Hunter A over daily. Who knows? Right. Well, I think we'll find the answer. Again, I for whatever reason, I feel like we're going to find a lot of these answers out by December 1st because by that point, you get to the holidays and then it's, what, six weeks until you truly got to be ready to go for the season? Unless you're Dale Coyne. True. And you take it up to that 11th hour. TBA until practice one. Yeah, until practice one. <laughs> Even though we kind of expect... His driver yeah, I mean, it hasn't been that that crazy in the last couple of years for, for Coin. Also, this from IndyCar Deep Throat. 
found out there's a team out there that's willing to meet Andretti halfway to buy out Rossi's contract for next year. But Andretti had no interest buying out half of the contract or letting him go. No word on the team. Huh. Yeah. Who would meet them halfway? I'm saying McLaren. That's that's what I that's thought. That's really the only one that would pop into my head. IndyCar Deep Throat saying, I doubt it. I mean, that's what I responded with. So Yeah. I uh, just, yeah, that's just a very interesting thing. I mean, other than that, Ray Hall Letterman maybe? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Penske doesn't seem to strike me as as doing something like that. Ganassi neither. So, I, yeah, I just I don't know who it would be. And Meyer Shank with that five hundred money. Yeah, could, could be, <laughs> could be. Also, um, regarding Carlin and Hunkos, uh, Carlin sold one of their old transporters to Hunkos along with some equipment. No word that Carlin is done with IndyCar other than updating some of their equipment. And okay. Garland has been chatting with Hunkos for a while now. Uh, could they form a partnership? Quite possibly. But from what I understand, Carlin isn't leaving IndyCar, no word. And Hunkos is, is trying to get a second car. So, again, you see the transporter picture, then you see the other car in the shop. Could it just be... They just bought that stuff. Yeah, they they bought it from Hunkos. Or, sorry, sorry, bought it from Carlin. They're trying to expand. So, who knows? Could be. Haven't gotten to the craziest rumor yet. Okay. And that is coming here shortly because I wanted to get to the other stuff, save the best for last. And that is, well, second to last. We got one other thing. Jimmy Johnson, love racing IndyCar. Again, all this from IndyCar Deep Throat. Excited to go for the Indy 500. Open to being around IndyCar for the next five to six years if possible. Goodness gracious. Yeah. Hopefully that means a full-time schedule sooner rather than later. Jimmy just does not want to be at home. He wants to race into his 50s. <laughs> well, I mean, you got Kanan, who's almost there. Elio, who just won at 46. Dixon I know that, is but, getting there. Sato is mid-40s. mid, mid 40s. I mean, the difference between 46 and 50, though, still seems... I mean, when's the last? Yeah. what's the last 50-year-old that raced in open-wheel racing? I mean, would it Mario? be Mario or maybe, maybe Fittipaldi? Yeah. Al Jr. was not in his 50s when he, yeah. he left. Sorry, he wasn't. I know people are in better shape. Race car drivers are in better shape than they've ever been, but 50 is still 50. And it's just really hard to keep going. Yeah, absolutely. Not because the driver's not capable, but, I mean, the sport. I mean, it, it's it's tough. You got to have sponsors. You got to have the right situation. You got to be competitive. I'd be like, whoa, Jimmy, let's just focus on 22 first before we worry about 27. All right, here's the, the wildest thing of the rumor mill Okay, from IndyCar Deep Throat. Per source, next year or 2023 could be Graham Rahal's final full-time season in IndyCar. A lot of speculation around Graham slowly moving into the owner role, taking over for his dad at some point. Graham has helped a lot with spearheading some of the new driver and sponsor agreements this upcoming year, most notably nursing the Hy-Vee sponsor package. At this point in his career, Graham is at a year-to-year feeling to see how things are moving forward to him. He could end up doing what Ed does with ECR, the 500, along with select races. You know what? It makes a lot of sense, right? to be honest. I mean, 
It sounds crazy when you first say it, but look, you know, we, we know that Graham has been very, very invested in the sponsorship realm and has really been pivotal, pivotal in getting a lot of these deals done. You know, dad isn't getting any younger. I think Bobby is probably like, you know, at some point I want to hand this off, at least some of it, um, you know, to, you know, Bobby's almost 70. Um so he doesn't want to keep doing this, at least everything he's currently doing running this team. Um, so I could see it. I could most definitely see, you know, he's got a young young child now. He's married. You know, he, has his, really... he has his side businesses, too. Like, yeah. he does a lot of charity work. He and his wife have their foundation. He has Graham Ray Hall performance, which seems to be doing really well. And like you said, I mean, it. you think about it, and it sounds crazy because he's still – I mean, he's a top – what five to seven driver in the field? Um, I'm going lower, to be honest. Um, I mean, top ten. I'll give him that. Definitely top ten. But as far as like season standings, I mean, he's consistently in that you know five to seven yeah. range. But you know, when you haven't won in five years, four years, whatever it's been, that can take a toll on you. And while yeah, he's been. Sixth, seventh, eighth. He really hasn't been a threat to win the championship. Really, that's true. Not um, since fifteen. Yeah. So, you know, that can wear on you, and you know, not being consistently competitive can wear on you. And you know, business wise, you got a lot of other stuff going on. And oh yeah, you have a wife and a small child, and and th- that changes your perspective. So, while he's relatively young, at thirty two, still. I mean, that rumor doesn't entirely surprise me, to be honest, if it did indeed happen at some point in the near future. Well, and, you know, you mentioned the point about, you know, taking over running the team for his dad. Dated, I mean, it actually makes sense for that to happen in the next five years or so. Because yeah. he's already doing a lot of that stuff, it seems like now, behind the scenes. And he's been great with sponsor relations and, you know, on, on social media and making sure that sponsors are taken care of, whether it's at the track, off the track, on social media. He's clearly got the business connections. He's, I'm sure, learned the ropes on kind of the management side. And it's not like he's going to go away. I mean, he's going to run the Indy 500, I'm sure. He's been competitive. And you kind of wonder how much this year's Indy 500 kind of plays into that. He had an excellent car. They had a great strategy. And a simple mistake in the pits cost him the race and a chance to win, and you just you don't get too many of those. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, uh, you know, Bobby Ray all probably doesn't want to be in his mid seventies running all these all these teams. I mean, you know, they're in different formulas and all that, and, and different series. So, um, a lot of this makes sense. Like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if it happens. I feel like maybe it's still a year or two off. At the earliest, but if it ever comes down to being true, I'm saying more more power to you, Graham Ray Hall, most definitely. Yeah, I, I think next year being his last full time, I'd I'd be surprised. But two years from now, I guess I really wouldn't. Now that I think about it more, and he's just got family interests, business interests, and obviously the the team is a family business, and those are all things to think about because that sets you up for the next. You know, hopefully, rest of your life. Yeah, most definitely.
Interesting rumor. Yes. Isn't as completely out of left field as I was initially expecting. No. So that that is the latest on the rumor mill from IndyCar Deep Throat. Okay, we had one other driver announcement this week. This coming in Indy Lights. Hunter McElray will drive the number 27 for Andretti Autosport in 2022. I don't think this is a surprise. In fact, uh, good for him on getting a good seat. He's Australian, he's American, he's a dual citizen. I think he'll be one of the contenders for the championship next year. I think he was uh, third in the championships in Indy Pro 2000 this past year. Raced a couple years in Indy Pro 2000. So he's pretty um, pretty competent and uh, experienced. Has eight wins, 25 podiums since 2019. So was with Pabst initially and, um, and even the last couple years and now goes to uh, Indy Lights with Andretti. So I think you look at him, and we expect four cars from Andretti, four from HMD. HMD was actually testing, I think, down at Sebring, and I believe they had at least three or four cars that I saw in the picture. I know Andretti, I think, also did a test uh, for some of their lights, guys. So, I mean, you talk about having just a couple of teams dominate the grid. I mean, between those two teams, you're looking at half the Indy Lights field. Yeah, which is uh, a positive and a negative. But, you know, the the, the field is growing, so... While there'll be a big piece of Indy Lights coming up in 2022, those two teams, not as big a piece as in years past. And then keeping it with the junior formulas, USF Juniors announced their inaugural schedule. They're going to COTA. No fair. Yeah, it, it is no fair. They have <laughs> the, they open the schedule at Ozarks International Raceway. Now, I've heard about this track as a new track, so it's an interesting decision there. April 23rd and April 24th. Does it have enough runoff to run Indy cars? <laughs> it's always the thing. Ah, not enough runoff. I think it's more about the, the safety features Probably. <laughs> that I, I would be concerned about. Then April 28th, or at Barber Motorsports Park. April 29th at Barber Motorsports Park. And I'm looking to see if there are any crossover in this. Uh, I don't know if there is between IndyCar and and. USF Juniors, June 4th, Virginia International Raceway, and 5th, doubleheader, July 8th and 9th at Mid-Ohio, which is the week after IndyCars at Mid-Ohio. And then they have Road America on July 30th and 31st, and that's a while after the the IndyCar uh, run there. And then September 17th and 18th, as you mentioned, they end the year at COTA, Are we going? I mean, I don't know if that's a high-profile enough event to get me there <laughs> just to go to Coda uh, I'm sure for a it's USF part of something Juniors. bigger, hopefully, yeah, maybe. I, but you know, what, my favorite part of the Ozarks International Raceway is uh, I think that's the track I was reading about it on Racer. That's they have they've had turkey barns on the property, and those are going to be the new garages. Like they've refurbished them into garages for cars. Like the bays and everything. So from what? turkey barns to actual garages for auto racing. That's, uh, that is something. It, it is something. I don't know what it is, but it's something. So the prize package for USF Juniors exceeds $325,000, a scholarship and more than $200,000 to advance to the USF 2000 championship. How about Again, that? first step on the road to Indy. 16 races. Held in conjunction with USAC, uh, Porsche Sprint Challenge North America, IndyCar and NASCAR events. 
So, so yeah, it must be part of a, some IndyCar. I'm looking, events. though, and I'm not seeing a single one that is with IndyCar. Now, it's like the week after. So the Barber one, April 28th and 29th, that must be like a test yeah. weekend for IndyCar because the Barber race is, well, no, it's May 1st. So it is right before, but they're out of there before IndyCar even shows up. So that would be April 28th and 29th, 2022. It's a, if I can get to the right month here, it's a Thursday, Friday, and then IndyCar is that, that weekend. So I guess that's the one crossover. But if you're not there on Friday, you're you're already going to miss it. Gotcha. But uh, this new series is is interesting. I mean, we had Rob Howden on the other week talk about this series and what this will do. It's that other step that was kind of missing to go from karting to a a single seater car and probably a lot more affordable. I think that's kind of the point. But I'll be curious to see how this plays out and and kind of what it means for the road to any and then eventually IndyCar down the road. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, hopefully we see some some great participation in year one. And then uh, the final bit of a news item I want to get to, Speedway Motorsports says it has a deal to purchase Dover Motorsports, which owns Dover International Speedway and Nashville Super Speedway. That from Adam Stern. Now, IndyCar does not race at either of these tracks. IndyCar did race at Nashville Super Speedway until, what was it, 2008 or 9? Uh, 9. And then they raced at Dover in the IRL days, like, what, once or twice? But, I mean, I don't feel like that's a track that's going to come back. Hey, we got to get back in the Northeast. People will say Dover in New Hampshire. Uh, I would think Watkins Glen. Yeah. Loudoun. Really? um, As long as they don't try to restart the race in the rain. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Would all be options ahead of uh, Dover. But this is a curious bit of news. I mean, you have another track owner that's going away, selling out to either SMI or ISC. Well, ISC, which is now just NASCAR, right? They kind of rebranded the name. Not sure what it means, but... I don't know. Is this good? Is this bad for IndyCar? I, I have no idea. Uh, it all depends on the relationship with SMI and IndyCar. And so... Um, the only SMI track is Texas, and Eddie Gossage right. has retired. Yeah, true. So, you know, it was Homestead SMI? It was Richmond SMI? No, no. Okay. NASCAR owned. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't think IndyCar is going to either of those anytime soon, so I don't think it affects IndyCar. That's true. They already have a, a solid race in Nashville. Well, if you uh, agree or disagree with anything we've had to say, please let us know. You can find us at NewTrackRecordPodcast.com. While you're there, sign up for our email list and subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on social media. Our Twitter handle is IndyCar Podcast. On Facebook, like us or search for New Track Record. And you can also email us, NewTrackRecordPodcast at gmail.com. And never miss an episode by following us for free on your favorite podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Okay, Justin, time for the mailbag, and we actually have a, a lot of tweets to get All to right, this let's, week. All right, let's do it. So we'll get into it. First one in regards to uh, Kyle Larson and the Indy 500. And on this poll... Um, Will Kyle Larson be entered into next year's Indy 500? 65% of you said no. 35% said yes. That seems about... That seems about right. Yeah. Jensen EV says if Roger gives him a ride, he had better. Kyle Larson is a generational talent on any oval. 
Jordan underscore Wilman says, based on the people I chat with, there's a good possibility that he will be there next year, but it all depends on the team he is with. Again, I think it comes down to having to be a Chevy team. Yeah. A lot of comments on the uh, Carlin transporter <laughs> at the Hunkos Hollinger shop. Uh, Hunter's Way 67 tweets, I'm hoping this is a merger, not a sale. The more teams, the better. It's true. I would agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick J. Fletcher said, is that a PT Cruiser parked out front in the photo? <laughs> I guess it's safe to say that Chrysler's the third alien now. <laughs> I like how he's continuing this, you know, on a week-to-week basis mm-hmm. on whatever ridic- ridiculous One of these days thing. is going to be right. That's true. NK Harden, uh, Harden says, that's ridiculous. That truck is a Peterbilt. They are clearly the third OEM. <laughs> it's right there. People, open your eyes. There you go. <laughs> that was uh, funny. And <laughs> Nick J. Fletcher responding back. Finally, a diesel back in the field. What an idiot I am for not noticing the Freightliner and immediately thinking twin turbo V6 hybrid. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> All good stuff. Funny good commentary. Good job, guys. Good job. Uh, R. Cole says, 2023 championship contender. <laughs> Uh, Transocean Trojan says, would be the smart move. And according to Stitch, writes, clearly they're just having a sleepover. <laughs> yeah, obviously. They couldn't fit all the sleeping bags and everything in, so they took the transporter. Yeah. Yeah. They're just, it's just, you're staying over at a friend's house, right? Yeah. I mean, come on. Come on, people. What are you thinking's going on? <laughs> Indy 500 for Kyle Larson. How much do you care? 55% of you said, would like to see it. 20% said, I don't. Thirteen <laughs> percent said apathetic to it. Twelve percent best thing since Milka. That's Milka Duno, former IndyCar yes. driver, five hundred competitor. Nick J. Fletcher writes: This would be great for the sport, and Kyle Larson can wheel it for sure. But wheeling it and winning a five hundred are two very different and often unrelated things in a rookie year. Put him in a big three, four, five, whatever it is now car. He'll be at the top of the speed charts all month. That I agree with. You you give a guy equipment, yeah. you you have the testing time, you can make it make it work. As far as speed goes. Now, as far as being competitive in the race, that's a different story. Yeah. That that's you gotta to avoid trouble, things. you gotta not make mistakes. And as Fernando Alonso learned, you gotta have a reliable engine. <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely. Although that was a that was a problem all month. That's true. That team, so. Honda, Honda took a, Honda took a risk there. Yeah. Uh, Racer Mac RTP1 says, would mean more domestically than when Alonzo first came in 2017, and I'll die on that hill. Yeah, domestically, uh, yeah, I yes. Would agree. I agree. I agree completely. Now, globally, no. But domestically, then, is what IndyCar, I mean, that's the audience then and even still they're trying to gain because I think internationally they're gaining more of a following. Yeah. You know, with – Drivers from Sweden and, and the UK and, you know, the TV deals they have across the globe. I mean, they're And the driver's coming over, too. I mean, yeah. the the positive is with more people watching Formula One is then more people are, are, you know, invested or at least know these drivers that then are going to IndyCar and turn it on. So in a roundabout way, bigger ratings for Formula One eventually filters down to more people watching IndyCar. I really f- believe that. These thoughts on Kyle Kirkwood getting a full-time ride in K. Harden. Not optimistic, but I thought Newgarden was too good for Sarah Fisher's team. He proved that he could bring that team up with him. That's the upside. Then there's Jack Hawksworth. That's the downside. 
Luckily for him, though, I think Andretti rescues him next year. Yeah, do you do you think it's a one and done for Kirkwood at Foyt? Yes, I do too. I, I can't imagine Foyt didn't want to sign him for more than a single year. So I feel like that was Kyle Kirkwood's call. Yes, Jamin T fourteen says I hope this works out. Foyt needs to take all the number four budget and staff and make the number fourteen as competitive as possible. Harsh, I agree, but move forward. Yeah, I mean I think that's what they're doing anyway. Yeah, Hunter's way sixty seven. Great that he has a ride. I just hope he doesn't end up the next Jack Hawksworth. Man. Uh, Pilot on Jack. Scuba Steve 85. That streak of dominance was nice while it lasted. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't think he's winning eight, nine, ten races next year. No. No, I don't don't think so. And even more on Jack Hawksworth. This is uh, the poll rookie of the year. 49% said Lungard. 29% Malukas. 18% Kirkwood. 4% said either... Devlin D. Francesco or Callum Eilat. And uh, Nick J. Fletcher says, I feel like I have to say Kyle Kirkwood because of my snarky previous comments. <laughs> yeah, that's why this poll was written, just for you. <laughs> but let's see which is more prevalent in 2022. Foyt holding Kyle Kirkwood back. Will Kyle Kirkwood prevailing above the challenges of Foyt? Hashtag don't get Hawksworth. <laughs> <sighs> oh, man. Miss the days of Hawksworth winning races, you know, getting out of his car and making the little <laughs> hawk thing with his arms behind him. Oh man, didn't see that very much yeah, at all. In yeah, I was like, I don't, I don't remember this. <laughs> you don't, don't remember that? No. Yeah, I used to do it in. Uh, I don't know if it was in any lights, lights or whatever. Yeah, like he'd stand on the cockpit and put his arms behind himself like he was a hawk. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. How did I forget this? I don't know. Poet because you didn't see it in IndyCar. That's why. <laughs> yeah, that's why. Poet Shevchenko writes. Really tough question. Kirkwood comes in with the best record, but team and teammate will be challenges to overcome. Malukas may have the best balance of all the factors. Even though this rookie class doesn't have any named drivers like last year, you know, you had Jimmy Johnson and Scott McLaughlin and Roman Grosjean. Uh, I think this field is even higher quality than last year, and with all of them being full season, one heck of a rookie of the year fight. You know, that, that is the difference. You, we have more rookies, and they're all expected to be full-time. Uh-huh. Yep. I mean, you have, what, five confirmed full-season rookies? Well, four well, officially four. confirmed, yeah. Five when you throw in Malukas. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, Kirkwood, DeFrancesco, Eilat, Lungard should be a pretty good fight. I, I feel like a conventional wisdom would take Kirkwood, but you have to feel like he's probably in the at least the third worst seat, if you want to say Eilat is worse. but And I, I think know. from what we saw... In his lone race last year, Lungard is the favorite. I mean, that's who I voted for because, well, he's got the team behind him, clearly has the pace. It's just a matter of putting it together. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see. Atlanta Cat 99 writes, I'm really hoping Kirkwood can rise above and prove himself. I honestly think Kellett will be a tremendous help because he's a genuinely good man and will want to do everything he can to give Kyle a leg up. Regardless of his racing record, they're both laid-back types. You know, that is an interesting thing about the personality. Sure. Kellett is going to be the helpful teammate. I don't think anyone's going to disagree there. I'd agree. Yes. <laughs> he, is, he's, he's a, he is a genuinely nice guy. Like, it's tough to rag on him too much, even though I do my best, because he's <laughs> such a nice dude. But uh, just in a, it just doesn't have the talent. Nice does not win races. No, it does not. It can, but it can not the standalone fact. Yes, absolutely. Jamin T14 says, better question, who's one and done? Oh. Ooh, I like this. Yes, I do. 
So looking at all of them, so you have Kirkwood, Malukas, Lungard, DeFrancesco, and Eilat. Who is one and done? I'm going to say Kirkwood definitely no. Uh-huh. Malukas, no, just because he has the funding behind him. You would think that'll buy him at least two years. Uh-huh. Um, DeFrancesco, no. Again, funding behind him, and it's believed to be a multi-year deal that he signed, right, with Andretti? I believe so. To me, it's between Eilat and Lungard, and not because they're going to struggle in yeah. IndyCar, per se. It's because, because they're going to be wanted overseas. Yeah. Now, um, I don't know what series that would be. I mean, is it F2? I mean, uh, is that what they're hoping for? I mean, it's not. I don't think they're going to go from IndyCar to F1, especially with the teams they have. I mean, not that those teams are bad. I mean, you have a small Hunkos Hollinger team, so any success Eilat has, it makes him look really good. And Lungard, he's a rookie, and he's on a, a quality team, but unless he becomes the number one driver on the team pretty early on in the season, I just I don't see how he's going to rise above that. I mean, I feel like either of those guys could get the, you know, um, you know, Eilat was a reserve driver for Alfa Romeo. Is that right? Yes. And Lungard also had ties to a team. At one, I mean, he's, he's, well, he's an Alpine. Yeah. Yeah. So he's an Alpine driver. So, yeah, I could see either one of those guys with a good performance this year being called back to their respective teams overseas. I would agree. And I think Eilat is more likely. I mean, you he's so? a reserve driver for the Sauber Alfa Romeo True. Team. But I could see Alpine saying, you know, okay, you learned enough over there and I'll get back over here and now you're a reserve driver for us. Yeah, and, and that doesn't necessarily mean F1. I mean, he could be in WEC, for example. Right. With Alpine. Indy Nathan says, if Kirkwood was on Andretti, I'd probably pick him, but I think Lungard with RLL will win. Lucas will probably be Lungard's biggest challenger if he's with Coin. There you go. I think the rookie battle is going to be a fascinating storyline. Most definitely. For the upcoming season. Something to, to look forward to. Yes. All right. Uh, more on Kirkwood. Uh, Transocean Trojan wrote, uh, writes, if he wins Rookie of the Year in a Foyt car, kid really is the certified GOAT. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, no one's going to disagree with that. So as always, send us your tweets, uh, Facebook, email, snail mail, carrier pigeon. We'll get to him in the following week's episode. All right. That wraps up the mailbag time for news and notes. Uh, just a few things to get to here. The uh, St. Pete three-day tickets will go on sale November 17th at 10 a.m. Eastern time. You can sign up for the e-club at gpstpete.com to be notified the minute they go on sale. November 17th, that is the Wednesday from now, and we record this on uh, Thursday, November 11th. So coming up in about a week. Coming up soon. And, and that race is coming up soon. I mean, yeah, it what, is. Like 100 days out or something? Yeah. I think less now. Uh, Jade Gers, who's the author of Beast, also the author of Alan Sir Jr., A Checkered Past. He'll be doing a book signing with Al Jr. Saturday, December 4th at the 2021 Holiday Author Fair at the Indiana Historical Society. It says more details to come. I have the book. I have not read it yet. Really? But uh, it's one of several books that I need to read right now. Very it nice. seems like every time 
I'm like, oh, cool, I got a book, and then I get another book, <laughs> and then I'm just constantly behind. I I need to. I feel. Just I don't get, get these up. people that read a ton of books. Like kudos to them, and I read too, but I just don't have the time. Like, I just I can't do it. But they people, make the time. They do. And like I'm not criticizing. That's great. I just I just never can find the time. And when I do have time, there's other things I like to do in addition to reading. The books I will for sure read pretty much involve IndyCar. <laughs> yeah. Or racing. I'm just about IndyCar. finished with um uh what is it? The um Oreos book? No, the one about the um the doctor stuff. The uh Rapid Response? Yes, Rapid Response. I've not read the book. I've seen the documentary. It is a phenomenal book, uh, Rapid Response. And it's kind of quirky at the end because you can tell when, like, the book ended, but then they added some stuff with the reprint Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. But, you know, short chapters really gets to the point, really behind-the-scenes type stuff. Interesting thing I read um, in in Rapid Response, and and I just read it uh, a little bit ago, uh, maybe a week or so. Um, was talking about the Texas race, the cart Texas race, and how it was up to the, the doctors, basically. And it was Dr. Stephen Olvey that wrote, wrote the book. Um, and he mentioned how upset Roger Penske was that they canceled that race, uh, at least initially. Um, and I don't know if, if Roger Penske's mind you know, changed over time, but basically it was the, it was the medical personnel's call. To, to to cancel that race and Roger Penske was none too happy about that decision. Remember Marshall Pruitt did a multi-part series uh for racer.com back when IndyCar you know was at Texas this spring, you know, marking the 20-year anniversary of the cancellation of the uh, Firestone Firehawk. Was it that was a 500 or was, yeah, 500. Yeah. And you know, they brought in was it like someone who was an astronaut or worked with NASA. Someone who worked with NASA kind of had to explain, yeah, to make it make sense for some of the officials. And Stephen Olvey's book also talked about once they um, they canceled that race, the military reached out and said, you know, okay, what were the conditions? And you know, they traded notes and and the military at that point was doing tests on G's both lateral and vertical G's because that was the big issue without getting too technical because I didn't really understand it either but basically <laughs> not only are you having lateral G's you're also having vertical G's going that fast at that track and so you know people ask why in IRL why didn't they have problems well they weren't going as fast and they were only dealing with lateral G's but you cross over a threshold which i believe is like 235 miles per hour you start having then lateral g's and the combination of those two things drivers would have begun blacking out within like 10 12 laps they said and the military had had already was doing those tests and said you know we had already started coming to the same conclusions with fighter pilots is there was no way that was going to work you know long term over the course of a race so um, I don't know if uh, I'm sure Roger Penske, as smart as he is, has softened on that stance. But as of you know the day of the cancellation, and immediately thereafter, Roger Penske was one of those that was absolutely, totally upset with the medical personnel. And, and that was an event. I mean, it sold thousands of tickets back when CART and IRL were were basically almost selling out on oval tracks, and it wasn't the thing that broke CART. But it was the start of the downfall. They already right. had issues before then, and that just kind of exacerbated 
everything. But yeah, I'm I'm gonna have to borrow that from you yeah, um, once you're done. Yeah, it's a very good read. Very quick read. I mean, short chapters, easy to read. Uh, doesn't get too technical. It's it's a good good a riveting good yarn, as they say. <laughs> a good yarn, I like that. <laughs> Couple other notes. Uh, Bob Jenkins, late Bob Jenkins, as uh, is the 2021 Squire Hall Award for NASCAR Media Excellence honoree. Uh, this will this will be and he'll be honored during the NASCAR Hall of Fame induction ceremonies on January 21st. Very good. Very deserved there. And the IMS end of season sale taking place right now. So Let's go th- through November fourteenth. Well, you don't have to go. It's just, oh, it's all online. Nice. Yeah, shop.ims.com. That's the link, and I checked it out. Unfortunately, if you were a size large like I do, not <laughs> a lot nothing. of options. <laughs> yeah, picked clean, huh? <laughs> yes. So uh, get there quickly. And again, they got great deals on stuff. Not just clothing. I mean, they have other merch as well. You know, koozies, hats, shirts, stickers, all kinds of stuff. Great deals and. One other note before we'll get to your split air driver of the week. This from Chad 200. Indy 500, Daytona 500, IndyCar Championship, NASCAR Championship. First time since 2013 that Penske did not win at least one of those. Only happened two other times since 2007. How about that? It's crazy. I would have I would have thought it would be longer, to be honest. Yeah. But and and there's no uh, no no good tweets this week. All the tweets were bad. Sorry, everyone. All the tweets, hundred so, percent, were bad. Tweets. Yes, all uh, the tweets were bad. So this this will wrap it up, Justin. Uh, well, I wanted to touch on something too out of the mailbag, and, and uh-huh. let's say Marshall Pruitt and and the racer staff have done a great job bringing the mailbag back. I did take exception though to uh, this um, this question and answer, and wanted to see what you thought, Caleb, because we talk so much about not caring about the championship until after after the Indianapolis 500. And um, somebody brought up uh, wh- regarding the LED panels. Is uh, yes, I did read that. Maybe, you know, they could show the championship position during the race. And Marshall Pruitt took it a step further and saying maybe with the NBC broadcast graphics, maybe they could have the points as they race or at least the championship positions as they race throughout the entire season or at least, you know, starting, um, you know, midseason or something. And to me, I just, you know, I, I'm not a fan of it. I, I'm, uh, you know, he makes the point that, uh, you know, why do we bury the one thing we race towards at each event, the top spot in the championship? Um, you know, why do we bury it until the checkered flag arrives? I really, to be honest, until the second half of the season, I'm not thinking about it. And I'd be surprised if a fair amount of, of uh, drivers are thinking about it. If you're going to have the graphic, you're saying the graphic on TV? Uh Marshall Pruitt says, I do think it's worth adding to the NBC broadcast graphics, maybe as early as the Indy 500. No, absolutely not. To me, the only race you should do that, and you should do it, would be the season finale. If there's a tight championship battle, you know, the top two, three, four drivers. It wears me out seeing points as they run in the season finale, let alone, you know, the half the season or over half the season, which if you started the Indianapolis 500. Like the last thing you need to be doing during the Indianapolis 500 is showing where people are at the points because nobody cares. The, everybody watching doesn't care. The drivers don't care. The teams don't care. The people in attendance don't care. It doesn't matter at the Indianapolis 500. That's why we've suggested not until after the Indianapolis 500 so should anybody be talking about the championship. And, and I agree completely because, I mean, it doesn't matter until after the Indy 500. It doesn't matter. So many things happen. 
Uh, Indy 500 is an event on its own. It, you know, we can talk about double points, whether that should be a thing or not. But the point is, nobody cares about those double points until they're either taken out of the race or a day or so after the race when they haven't won. Um, you know, I, I can guarantee you, Graham Rahal's initial thought when he crashed out of the race in the Indianapolis 500 wasn't, oh, crap, this is going to be a terrible points day. <laughs> it was, oh, crap, we just lost a shot at winning the Indianapolis 500. Yeah. And that's why you don't mess with points until after that race. Could not agree more. So just wanted to throw that in there. Marshall, and, love you. Don't love that idea. <laughs> and one thing I, I guess I did not get to in the mailbag, I mean, Marshall confirmed what we already knew about James Hinchcliffe suffering some sort of leg injury in the offseason. Yeah, some serious injury. And uh, But Marshall did say regarding Tony Kanaan, I look for him in a fifth Chip Ganassi car at the Speedway. We did know that. We should have some clarity before the end of the month around whether he'll still do the other ovals in the number 48 Honda. So, again, another thing where I just set this deadline in my head. Well, December 1st, we'll know. <laughs> well, according to him, we should know by December 1st. Yes. All right. Random Split Era Driver of the Week. Let's Are you do ready? It. I am All right. ready. We're going to uh, the CART PPG World Series of 1997. We did a IRL last week. We're going to CART now. It was the first year. Of cart wasn't it or the second year? Second well, year? No, it was like the twenty some. Well, you know what I mean. Since the split, okay. Cart <laughs> um, started in seventy nine. Yeah, well, you know what I mean. There's so many different entities. Triple um, A. <laughs> yeah, so we're going ninety ninety seven cart season. We're going with Paul Jasper. Who? Paul Jasper. He raced for Peyton Coin Racing. Yes. How about that? Walter Payton. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, had four starts during that season of 1997 in the uh, ultra-competitive Lola Ford Cosworth. And when we say ultra-competitive, we mean pretty much not competitive at all. <laughs> after uh, after the 96 season, it was really pretty solid, 96. It won a championship, I think. Um, but he was the 1996 Rookie of the Year and finished third overall in points as a Toyota Atlantic driver. Uh, signed to drive in cart for Dale Coyne for 97. Um, uh, he the, he was in the 97 Lolo, which was very, uh, quote, uncompetitive and flawed. Uh, is uh, He attempted six races, failed to qualify for two, started four races. His best finish was 18th at the Milwaukee Mile. It was also his final start in cart. He was at Surfer's Paradise. His uh, debut, finished 23rd, went to Long Beach, finished 19th, then went to Rio and finished 24th, and then was 18th at Milwaukee. He did not start at Nazareth or Gateway that year. His final race was 18th, and literally nothing else on this man on Wikipedia. He was uh, born in Dayton, Ohio. That's my mom's hometown. Very nice. I looked up him in the uh, driver database. Uh, did some Atlantics. Also tried to race at, in the 1998 cart PPG Dayton Indy Lights. One race in the Lola 97 in Indy Lights uh, and finished 21st in that race. What I find interesting is his sponsor in 97, Hype, and it was... Uh, it's hype energy. It's energy drinks. Yeah, this may have been the first energy drink sponsor in IndyCar. You know, Cart, IRL, whatever. Yeah, you know, all the way back in '97. 
And it's, now they were sponsoring an F1 in NASCAR, but um, this is the first known thing I can I can recall or see. You know, as far as an energy drink, this is kind of ahead of its time. Yeah, very nice. Still a thing. Uh, I think in Europe, yes, hype is a thing. Um, and I think you're still involved in Formula One at some point. Not like a huge sponsor, but some money being thrown over to uh, teammates with the great Dennis Vitolo. Yeah, you can seriously you can pick any one of those drivers that year uh, from that team, and they could be random split era drivers of the week. Other than uh, Michelle Jordan and Roberto, and Roberto Moreno, Moreno yeah. yeah, other ones either we've used them or we will use them at some point. But um, yeah, not much more on Paul Jasper. Still around, still with us, but uh, started four races that season. Tried to tried to qualify for two more, didn't start them. But uh, he is this week's random split era driver of the week, Mr. Paul Jasper with Peyton Coin Racing. Yeah, one of his teammates on Peyton Coin, Charlie Nierberg, race car driver who broke the wheel driven lane speed record in 2010. <laughs> Quit stealing future <laughs> random split era drivers of the week, Caleb. I mean, that is wild. And I'm guessing that's a, that's a future entry. Yes, he absolutely is. <laughs> that's like that's too good to, to miss up. But I, I just saw that, and I just hovered my my cursor on on the computer over it. Yeah, that's he, what showed up in the little one sentence. Yeah, you know, the little preview that gets you. Yeah. To, uh, he averaged because I split on it or uh, clicked on it in the spirit of Rhett on September 21st, 2010, averaged 417 mile an hour, exit speed of 422. Bonneville. I don't know where this is. Is that the Salt Flats? Yeah. Um, let's see. I made, yes, at the Bonneville Salt Flats. Yep. Don't have to worry about potholes on the Salt no. Flats. No, you do not. I, I'm just studying this list more to see if there's any other drivers like Arnd, Meyer, Galter Salas. That, that one's too well known, actually. Um, <laughs> it's a fine line before between finding... <laughs> You know, obscure drivers and obscure drivers that we talk about. Yes. Like, it's another level of obscurity when we've not never heard of them. I mean, you know. Like, Charlie Nierberg Parker is, is obscure. Parker Johnson's not obscure. Right. You know, Hiro Matsushita, not obscure. And the, the fact that everyone, you know, King Hiro. You know, yeah. Well known. Yeah. I mean, any Japanese driver, it's impossible to go with. Any woman, impossible to go with. So, look, this is easier said than done, folks. I'm really, really putting a lot of time and effort into these, so hopefully you're liking them. And by a lot of time, I'm saying about 10 minutes before the show starts recording. But eventually, (laughs) it's going to get more difficult. Yeah. Well, I just stole one of them. Yeah. Oh, I'm coming back to it. (laughs) I'll forget we even had this conversation (laughs) in, what, in... Well, it won't be two weeks. That's Thanksgiving. Yeah, uh, in three weeks. He'll, or whatever, he'll when, probably when be in the rotation in 2022. I'm yeah, sure. see, there you go. I'll forget by then. You'll, you'll be safe. All right. All right. And and with that, next week our uh, last episode of November because we will not be recording a Thanksgiving week episode. Taking a break. Also, kind of get around that point where things slow down. But uh, we'll be back next week. Hopefully there's uh, some more news in IndyCar to get you maybe some wild and juicy rumors like we had this week. As well, for Justin Kinney, I am Caleb Hatch. Thanks for joining us on New Track Record Podcast. Podcasts by Federated Media.